Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David continues the series on opposites with a look at peace versus conflict. Let's listen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Yes, we're in our series that we titled Opposites, because the Bible often teaches saying, hey, it's, it's this or this. And so today we are studying peace or conflict. And Jesus says to all his followers, I ask you to be peacemakers. So today, do you consider yourself a peacemaker? Well, I hope by the end of our time today, you will, because the world needs more peacemakers. Now, notice, there's a difference between just hoping for peace and actively seeking to make peace happen in the world. One is passive, and the other is active. We probably spend a lot of time hoping for peace, wishing for peace in this world. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. So thinking about that, this might be one of those cases where good news actually kind of becomes bad news. Uh, let me give you an example of, of what that looks like, and then I'll apply it to our scripture. So when I first moved here, I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and I was so excited to go hiking with them. So I was looking for recommendations, I was Googling online, and I kept hearing from people, go to Chimney Rock. I said, okay, this looks amazing, we'll go to Chimney Rock. Now, I had to get my wife on board, and, and she said, okay, what kind of hike is this? I said, well, it's, it's only 500 steps from the bottom up to the top. And she said, you realize, we've got toddlers. We're never going to be able to do that. And I said, you're, okay, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. But then I learned that there's an elevator at Chimney Rock. Did you know this? Yes, it's right there in the mountain where you, you take like a, a tunnel, and then there's an elevator, and it takes you all the way to the top. So she agreed to it, and she said, sure, we can go to Chimney Rock. And, and we get there, and I'm, I'm going to buy our tickets. And the person says, oh, I've got good news for you today. Your tickets are discounted. I thought, oh, that's amazing. Okay, what, what did we do to deserve discounted tickets? And yeah, you guessed it. He said, oh, well, our elevator's broken today. <laughs> oh, the look that Sarah gave me at that moment. <laughs> but we had driven two hours. I said, we have to try. We have to try to make it to the top. So I had my three-year-old on my back pretty much the whole time. My five-year-old made it. We made it up all 500 steps. We took a picture at the top to say, look, we did it. And I asked my daughter, Zoe, I said, okay, you did it. How do you feel? And she said, I feel like I'm shaking on the inside. It's <laughs> like, that's fine, accurate description. But when I think of how good news can become bad news, this is what I think of. I think, oh, good news, your tickets are discounted. Bad news, it's because the elevator's not working today. Now, you might be wondering, how does that apply to our scripture today? Well, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. That's really good news, because our world needs more peace, doesn't it? And God needs to bless the act of peacemaking. But it also becomes a little bit of bad news when we realize, oh, but it's up to us to be the peacemakers. We're the ones who really actually have to do the challenging work of trying to create peace in this world. 
even when it's not easy, uh, even when conflict would be so much easier to choose, uh, even when I really don't want to be the bigger person in this situation, or even when acting unchristian would be so much more satisfying. Okay, so maybe it's not so much bad news as it is just really challenging news for all of those who say, I am trying to follow Jesus. Well, we're going to explore a story today that shows how complicated it can be to pursue peace in a world that often encourages conflict. Uh, you're going to meet a man today in our story, and he's called two different names uh, to make it very confusing. Sometimes he's called Mark, sometimes he's called John, and other times he's called, you guessed it, John Mark. So to try to keep things simple, I'll refer to him as Mark the majority of times, but it's all talking about the same person. So Mark was a young Christian, probably in his early 20s, after Jesus' death and resurrection, so right after that time period. And Mark first shows up in a story in the book of Acts that's actually a story about Peter. Now, most of us know Peter. Peter was one of the original 12 disciples, and he was out sharing about Jesus, and they threw him in prison for it. But God created an earthquake, and the earthquake then sprung open the prison doors, and Peter was released. What does Peter do as soon as he's released? What's the first thing he does? Well, here's where our story picks up. It says, when this had dawned on him, the fact that he was now released from prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So the first thing we learn about Mark is that his mother Mary had offered her home to the early disciples as a place of prayer and refuge. Yes, this place was a home where these early Christians could gather together when they really needed to. They could come together in prayer. They could know that they were safe when they went to Mark's house. And this home was so well known amongst the early disciples that that's where Peter chooses to go when he escapes from prison. So this is where Mark grew up. These were the formative years for him, growing up around this household and these early Christians and their leaders. Now, two of those leaders were Paul and Barnabas. And a couple years later, Paul and Barnabas decide, we're going to go on a missionary journey. And it's going to be an extensive journey. We want to go all around this region telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. And they find Mark. And they say, Mark, we want you to come with us. Now, they must have seen something in Mark. Because Mark was a young Christian, just in his early 20s. But they saw something in him and said, yes, we want you to come on this missionary journey with us. How tremendous would that be for him and his faith to be around the giants of the faith at this time period? Now, I want to share with you a little bit about what this missionary journey was going to look like. So we'll, we'll have a map up here, and you can see all the places that they went on this journey. They start in Antioch on your right. They go with the blue line, and they return on the red line. And what I want you to notice is that 
this missionary journey that went to many different places was not easy. Uh, they didn't know Christians in any of the places that they went. So they would have to rely on the hospitality of, of strangers to even have a place to stay or, or a warm meal to enjoy. And, and not only that, but the crowds that were hearing for the first time that Jesus was the Son of God, they were often openly hostile towards the missionaries. Uh, you can see in Iconium that Paul and Barnabas actually have to flee because a mob is trying to kill them. And then in the next town, Lystra, uh, they get so mad at this message that they throw rocks at Paul until he passes out. They think he's dead. They drag him outside the city walls. Thankfully, he's not dead. But this shows you how challenging and hostile these missionary journeys were. But I want you to pay particular attention right in the middle of the map, the yellow country, Pamphylia, Perga, so not country, the region there, because that's going to show up in this next verse. So Mark goes with them, and what we're told is that from Pamphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So Mark, also known as John, chooses to leave halfway through the missionary journey before they've reached its completion, abandoning Paul and Barnabas to go finish the journey. Why? Why would he leave early? Well, we're not told exactly, but if you do read the stories in Acts around this time period, the place they went directly before that, Cyprus, was a really challenging place to share the message of God. And so it, it's probably the case that this young disciple was becoming discouraged and saying, this is a really, this is challenging. I don't know if I'm cut out for this and chose to leave early. You know, in reading his story, I bet we can relate to Mark, can't we? Because being a Christian is not always the easiest. And it can be disappointing at times. And if you've ever been on a mission trip before, I bet that there was a time, sometime in that week, where you just thought, oh, I'm yearning for my own bed right now. Like, I'm ready to go home. And our mission trips are generally, what, a week? Ten days, if we're really pushing it? Do you know how long their missionary journey was? A year. And so Mark stayed with them for six months and then said, I can't do it anymore. I'm going home. I'm going to my comfortable bed. I'm going back to my family. I am going home. Why do I mention all this? It's because sometime later, Paul and Barnabas plan a second missionary journey, and the topic of Mark's desertion comes up. We see it here. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So they're getting the band back together because what they would do is they, on their missionary journeys, would come to a town where they really didn't know anybody. They would share the message out in the synagogues and street corners saying, this is the good news about Jesus. And those who came to believe, they would gather into a church. They would structure that church. They would form that community for several months before leaving. 
and going to do it again at the next place. So now, Paul and Barnabas are, are talking with one another, and they're saying, we should go back and check how those churches are doing. How are those young churches that we started, how are things going with them? And the idea of going back and, and visiting all the churches, this is where things get really interesting. Because we're told that Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. When's the last time you had a sharp disagreement with someone? I mean, I think you can have a disagreement and move on fairly quickly, but a sharp disagreement? Those, to me, feel like the kind where, where you just need some space for a little bit. You're, you're a little too heated. You go, okay, I can't be around you for a little bit. I'm going to get some space. Well, Paul and Barnabas have a sharp disagreement over the role of Mark coming on this next missionary journey. Should they take this young, still-learning disciple, even though that he left early the last time, or do they just leave him behind? Well, to be even having this discussion means that Mark must have been willing to go. He must have been willing to say, I learned from last time, and I know I only made it halfway through, but I, I want to go back. I want to try again. Well, this disagreement between these two leaders of the early church movement was so sharp that they part company. We're told that Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So they part companies. They are now two different groups. Focus on Barnabas for a second, the one who took Mark with him. Did you know that Barnabas is given a nickname earlier in the, the book of Acts? He is called the son of encouragement. Uh, do you know people like that who always just want to encourage you? They're always saying something kind to you, a nice word whenever you're with them. I hope you have someone like that in your life. That's evidently who Barnabas was because he was given that nickname. Oh, you're always encouraging people, Barnabas. And true to his name, he wanted to forgive Mark. He wanted to encourage this young disciple to give him another chance to say, yeah, come on on this journey. I'm sure you'll do better this next time. So that's one position. Paul takes a different position. Paul, maybe he's thinking he's a little more rational. He believes that missionary work requires dedication. It, it requires endurance. It, it requires resolve, especially with all the challenges and the open hostilities that they will be facing. I mean, Paul needs to know that if you say you're going to be there, you're actually going to be there. So are either of them wrong? In conflict, we sometimes assume that if one person or group is right, generally us, then the other person or group has to be wrong, right? Just automatically. But sometimes it's a little bit murkier than that. 
I think you can make a good case for either Paul or Barnabas here in their disagreement. And yet, they believed in their own side so much that they could not resolve their conflict. So is this an example of Paul and Barnabas failing to be peacemakers? The peacemakers that Jesus asks us to be? I don't think so. And the reason for that is being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you're never going to be in conflict. All of us here are going to be in conflict from time to time. We cannot avoid that. And so the question becomes, how can we become a peacemaker even in the conflict that we find ourselves, even in the conflict that we face? I believe eventually Paul and Barnabas end up be a being able through their conflict to become peacemakers. And so let, let me show you how. First, notice the end result of this conflict. Instead of just one team of missionaries going out to do one missionary journey, there end up being two. And they end up covering double the ground that they, than they would have if they all stayed together. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign that God can use anything for good even conflict. I believe God was working behind the scenes here, saying, okay, I know you guys are fighting. I know you're having a disagreement, but I'm going to try to work through this as well. And so that's something for us to pay attention to, that when we find ourselves in conflict, can we say, okay, this is not ideal, but where is God working? Is God at work in this somehow, or can God use me? somehow in this conflict, even if I'm really kind of entrenched in my position. That's the first thing that I think we need to, to pay attention to. But the second is that God doesn't ever still encourage conflict. No, at the end of the day, God asks us to be reconcilers. Uh, just a little bit later in the same sermon, when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he says this. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there, in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Yes, what Jesus is saying is that as Christians, we are to do the hard work of reconciliation. And it is hard work. Where if we are engaging in worship, as, as we begin that, that road of preparing our hearts for worship, and we remember, ooh, I am in conflict right now. I am so upset with that other person. To the extent that I'm going to be distracted in my worship, we should pause right then. Because in an act of worship, we can go and seek to be reconciled to that person that we are in conflict with. And I believe that Paul and Mark, who had the main disagreement, they end up reconciling. And the reason I believe that is because near the end of Paul's life, he's in prison, again, for sharing the gospel. And he, he writes a letter, and he gives it to his friend Timothy. And he says, please take this letter and deliver it. And in that letter, he says just one line to Mark. Here's what he says. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Decades later, Paul, when he thinks now of Mark, 
doesn't think of him as, oh, you're the one who deserted us. He thinks, no, you're the one who's been helpful to me in my ministry. They've obviously reconciled at some point to the extent that he's saying, please bring him with you because I want to see him one more time, even though I'm near the end of my life. Yes, their conflict did not last forever. And ours shouldn't either. Yes, peacemaking, reconciliation, that's a part of the hard work of Christians that we are signing up for when we say, I am seeking to follow Christ. And then the third thing I want you to notice about how this ends up is that Paul and Barnabas, even though they had a disagreement, they both chose to really invest in Mark at different times in his life. They chose to invest in Mark as a young disciple. And do you know what the end result of that was? Well, how about this? Mark ends up writing the first gospel about Jesus' life. Yeah, you know the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which means that Mark may not have been ready for a full missionary journey in his younger years, but he continued to grow. He continued to progress in his Christian faith to the point that when he got older, he wrote the very first gospel about Jesus. This should be a wonderful example for us as well, to not worry who we were when we were younger in our faith, but to continue to grow, to continue to progress just like Mark did. And I think this is true for peacemaking as well. You may have some regrets over how you've handled conflict in the past, but rather than have those hinder how you do it in the future, what if you started anew today? To say, hey, today, because of this scripture, I'm just going to keep learning. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep seeking to be the peacemaker that God wants me to be. Yes, I believe all of us today could say, I'm going to take a step forward towards reconciliation, towards peacemaking in some capacity in my life. I think Paul learned that lesson as well. Because again, when he was in that prison at the end of his life, he wrote these words. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I mean, that's the point that Paul got to. These are some of his parting words. He says, if it's possible, won't you be a person who lives at peace with all of those around you? Now, I think those first four words are pretty important. If it is possible. It's not always possible, is it? to live at peace with everyone in your life. Uh, living at peace doesn't mean allowing yourself to be a doormat to somebody else. Uh, living at peace doesn't mean allowing yourself to be abused in any way. But living at peace is probably possible a lot more than we really realize. And so, when it depends on you, can you seek peace? And not just with your friends, but with everyone. That is what Paul learned about peacemaking, and that's what he asked us to do as well. And Paul and Barnabas, they end up living at peace. Even though they had a sharp disagreement and had to spend time away from each other, eventually they reconciled and lived as partners in ministry for the rest of their lives. 
So the question for us as we leave here today, having studied their story, is can you seek peace, even with those with whom you are currently in conflict? Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.